Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I want to thank you for joining us this week. Uh, We're continuing our study that began uh, several weeks back through uh, John chapters 13 through 17, and we are beginning chapter 17 today, so we're nearing the end of this study together. However, when Jeremy and I were talking about this, we're actually going to break chapter 17 into three episodes. Uh, the, the chapter, as we'll talk about here in a moment, kind of breaks itself up in the way that Jesus is going to construct this prayer, and so we thought it might make sense for us to do the same. So we're going to talk about just the first five verses together uh, today, and then uh, we'll continue on through the chapter in the weeks to come. But before we do that, Jeremy, why don't you kind of set the stage for us? Obviously, this is chapter 17 represents a bit of a transition in this these chapters that we've been studying. Uh, Jesus is going to speak more directly to God here as opposed to his disciples who he's been talking to in the previous chapters. So maybe kind of set the stage for us in terms of where we are as we begin chapter 17. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked at length that, you know, John provides for us a pretty unique passage here from John chapter 13, really all the way through John chapter 17, even though that is a lengthy passage, right? Lots of chapters, but really represents one conversation taking place in one place at one time with the same group of people. Mm -hmm. Outside of Judas, who has left, It doesn't seem to indicate there's a lot of comings and goings, you know, in the midst of this audience. It is very specific to his apostles, and it has been an emotional conversation. It has been a difficult conversation. There has been huge amounts of progress, certainly by the time you get to the end of chapter 16, Mm -hmm. and see the way that Jesus has left this conversation. Uh, the, The apostles indicate some understanding of some of the things that Jesus has said. And, and then Jesus, as we've talked about uh, last week in the last episode, as he kind of climax and concludes everything there in verse 33, that the whole key, the whole point to this conversation is to give them peace, to give them some comfort because of the difficulty that's about to, about to come. And, and you, you were right on. I mean, all of his focus now has been on these men. Through chapter sixteen, and now his attention is is to, is turned directly to God. Now he makes mention of these men. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not that they have left his mind completely, but he's now speaking to God. It is prayer, and it is direct prayer, and it is there's no. It's plain. I mean, yep. it's it's going to be made mention of directly, and so it's really an interesting transition that really gets us to the very end of this time with his apostles in a very short amount of time from here, uh, minutes, yeah. uh, maybe yeah. an hour, depends on how long it takes them to travel, mm-hmm. but minutes away from being arrested in the yeah. garden and um, and it, 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 the world turning upside down really over the next couple of days. Yeah. Well, let's, let's read these first five verses together, and then uh, we'll discuss the early sections of this prayer. So John chapter 17, beginning in verse number 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, 
Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So again, a very short passage in this chapter. Again, just the beginning of this prayer that Jesus is going to offer. But there is a lot packed into these short few verses that we just read. You already mentioned the fact that he very explicitly is directing these comments to heaven, to the Father. Uh, he does so there in verse number one. But one of the things that we probably want to start with is, is a phrase that is used there in verse number one. You made reference of it uh, last week at the end of chapter 16. That One of the first things that Jesus says when he lifts up his eyes to heaven he says, Father, the hour has come. Now that, we were talking about this earlier. This is a phrase that shows up in, in John's gospel um, pretty frequently, or at least the idea of this, I, this concept shows up in John's gospel quite a bit. And here in verse 17, Jesus is very clearly defining the end of something. The hour has come. And then just a couple of verses later, it is finished. Mm-hmm. He, he is using terminal language here. That, that he, he has accomplished what God has sent him to do. And so when you, when you look at this time period of Jesus' life and his usage of this uh, phrase, the hour has come, what, what thoughts are intended to come to our mind as we think about Jesus using this phrase and talking to God? Yeah, I think the one thing that you know, comes to my mind is, is really... A, a concept that's really hard for us to even grab hold of. And Jesus kind of alludes to it at the end of verse 5. I mean, a verse that we've read already when he makes mention of that relationship and the glorification uh, of the Father, and he makes mention of their relationship even before the world was, right? They are eternal. That's what mm-hmm. God is. He is eternal. No time, no beginning, no end. The world has a beginning. Yeah. The world ultimately will have an end, right? It is yeah. beholden to time, but God is not. And you read passages like, you know, as Paul writes to, you know, the brethren in Ephesus in the book of Ephesians, and, you know, he, he makes the point that, you know, the, the plan to redeem man was put in place before the world was even created, right? And so, again, that's a very, very difficult, you know, concept for us to grab hold of. But yet, you know, it's something that we have to believe. And then if if you allow that in your mind to know that this was a plan and we put it even in our time thinking the day before the world was created, mm-hmm. we're here. Thousands of years have gone by. I mean, countless things have occurred in the world and now you have gotten to the very moment that this plan that went into place before the world began is about to culminate. Mm-hmm. And when you, uh, it's, uh, it's an impossible task to try to fully grasp hold of that. But I think it helps us to think about it in terms like that to, to, because the weight of this moment is massive. It's yeah. massive. And for, for Jesus to carry this weight as God— 
he's certainly able to do that. Mm-hmm. But he also carries this weight as a man. Yeah. And that will really come into focus really over the next several chapters and several moments, hours probably, from this. And so when you start to piece all of that together, it is a heavy heavy statement that he throws here in in the beginning of chapter 17. Yeah, it it really is. And it's John it seems it seems silly to say this, but I think you'll understand. John's gospel is so important. Now, every book of the Bible is so important. But John's gospel, the way that it's constructed, it gives us such a beautiful picture of really world history in a lot of ways, predating world history. In in John chapter 1, Jesus has talked about being there when the world was created, that the world was created through him. And then here at the end in John chapter 17, he's talking about the relationship that he had with God before the world was. And within the context and the framework of that world, God had a plan. And what part of that plan was sending Jesus to the earth. And now at the end of Jesus' life, he is talking to his father about his fulfillment of that plan. And so it's, it's just this beautiful picture that John gives us of, of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit before the beginning of the world, the role that each of them plays so clearly. We've talked extensively about the, play, the way that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit and the role that he's going to play when he comes. He talks so specifically about the role that each of them has played since before the beginning of time throughout the plan that God has for man leading up to this moment when when Christ is fulfilling the purpose that God sent him to earth to do. It's just really remarkable because more so than any other single book, John just lays out the entire plan from the very beginning for us in a way that really can't be missed. And now Jesus here near the end of his life is acknowledging that in a lot of ways. He's acknowledging the fulfillment of this part of God's plan. The role that he was sent to earth to, to play is now complete. He's done what he came here to do. And it's really a powerful statement, as you made mention of, when put in the context of this plan that God has had since before the world was even created. And now we're getting to see the fulfillment of this part of it in Christ. It is. I mean, these first five verses, we'll certainly, I know we'll talk about the, the, the glory aspect in these five verses. It really carries, you know, the whole beginning of this prayer. But the beginning of this prayer is he's speaking directly to God as a celebration. I mean, there's just simply no other way yeah. to get around it. I mean, th- this is, of course, it, this example pales in comparison to what's being talked about. But again, it's a very physical, a very human picture that that we have seen. And I don't know why this is the one that popped into my head. But, you know, we've all seen like video of like the control room at NASA when, uh, you know, there was touchdown on the moon, right? And everybody just goes bananas. Well, it, it is that moment for sure. But what those people are conjuring, it, it, that it, it, touchdown on the moon, was not a fulfillment of in that moment thing that took place, but decades of work, decades yeah. of work yeah. leading up to that one moment. And then when that one moment occurs, it's jubilation yeah. because of the amount of work and time and effort and energy and, and everything that went into it. Now, on a infinitely larger <laughs> scale... That, that's what's happening right here. This yeah. perfect plan, perfect plan that was put in place to redeem man 
is culminating now in this moment. And what these five verses, it is a celebration between Christ and God, the Son and the Father, and it is glorification for both of them mm-hmm. in every way. It is. It's. Yeah, I like the way that you framed that, because as much as there is pain and suffering awaiting Jesus, this is a moment in which he celebrates the accomplishment of the goal that he and the Father had for sending him to the earth. They, they are excited about that. And he even says in verse 3, or in verse 2, that him coming to earth and fulfilling the plan that God had from the beginning, it has brought eternal life to people as a result of what he has done while here on earth. I mean, that's remarkable to think about. He, him finishing what he came to earth to do brings eternal life for all those that know him. I mean, that's what he says in verse 3. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ who you sent. Him coming to earth has opened the door for everyone to know God and to know Christ. And that is so remarkable to get to experience in word Christ acknowledging that to his father here at the end. That is just, it's almost, even though I think there are obviously some others still around hearing this, this this feels like a very intimate moment between Jesus Mm -hmm. and his father because they can celebrate the accomplishment of the fulfillment of this part of the plan for Jesus coming to earth and bringing eternal life to all those who seek him. That is a wonderful accomplishment, and it's this brief moment of time in which he and the Father can share this intimate moment and acknowledge the greatness of what has happened here. Yeah, and you get to see almost Jesus acknowledging his purpose. It's got a lot of different fingers, a lot of things that he certainly has accomplished. This is the culmination of all that for sure, Mm -hmm. but all of these things equals glory to God. Yeah. And that that's always on his mind. I mean, you study throughout even the gospel, just the gospel of John and how often John makes mention of that. What comes to my mind is, you know, John chapter 11, you know, when, when Jesus' friend Lazarus, he's told that, listen, Lazarus is sick unto death and Jesus just waits. He waits mm-hmm. before he goes. And the apostles are, are, you know, they're confused by that. And Jesus answered by saying, listen, we're now going to have an incredible opportunity for God to be glorified. That's why we're waiting. He's going to be dead. And he'll make mention again that that this is all for the glory of God, that this opportunity here when Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, it is an incredible opportunity for glorification for God. And, And we see all of the closest of people in their relationship with God, this is on their mind all the time. Now, we're going back several, not just episodes, but podcasts even. You know, when we talked about, we did our podcast on Friend of the Father, mm-hmm. and, and we, we talked about, you know, men like Moses, who constantly had God's name, his reputation on his mind. What is What looks best for God? He always had that in mind. David, it was the same way. He's thinking about those things. And so we see that with Jesus. And again, very easy application is that needs to be our mindset, that every word that I say, everything that I do, every place that I go, every interaction that I have, does it glorify God? Or how can I glorify God in this is probably a better way to say it. And these five verses, 
I mean, it's all about glory. I mean, it's yeah. all about glory for Christ. It's all about glory for the Father. It's all about glory. And all of that is this culmination of the perfect plan that's about to take place on the cross. You know, we've mentioned a couple of times about just how the the plan that God had has, has really come to fruition exactly how he intended it to do. This this phrase that Jesus uses there in verse 1, if you go back to John chapter 2, when he performs the miracle in Cana of turning water to wine, he is hesitant to do that because his hour had not yet come. And so th- there, there's even an acknowledgement within Christ's actions over the last three years that there were things that needed to be accomplished in order for his hour to come, in order to say that he has finished this, and in order for, as you mentioned just a second ago, in order for all of these things to bring glory to God and to bring glory to Christ, things had to happen in a certain way. Things had to happen over a certain period of time in order for this great culmination of glory to God and glory to Christ to be fully recognized. And Christ clearly understood that even going back three years, he he understood, hold on a second, we're not there yet. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but we're not there yet. And now, here we are, now his hour has come. Now things are finished. And that really then gives us this window of time where we can study through the four different accounts of, of Jesus' life that we have recorded for us. And what we're seeing is essentially the story being told from when it wasn't time to when it is time. And, and everything that happens in the middle of those things is, is culminated here with glory being brought to God, glory being brought to Christ, and eternal life being given to us. That's what happens in the pages of the Gospels. That That is what happens during Jesus' life. He does this right here. Glory to God, glory to him, eternal life for us. And it's all accomplished throughout the course of his ministry. Yeah, we read these five verses, and, and you know, it it really becomes crystal clear what God's desire for man is. Right, that it really becomes crystal clear. I mean, sometimes, you know, somebody, you know, you may hear a question that somebody to raise. You know, like, well, why why would God send anyone to hell? Why why does God punish? And you know, I, I man, it, it is such a terrible question. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just a bad question. Because it loses, you lose sight of what his desire is. That's not his desire. He doesn't want that. He makes it so clear through the New Testament. But it's really clear in this very, and I think you're right, very almost intimate personal interaction between Jesus and the Father that you you get right here. And you, you get very few actual words in these instances, a lot of times mention of Jesus praying, a lot of mentions of that, but very few of those we get the actual words yeah. that's being spoken. We do get a couple of times, but very few. But here we're getting all the words. I mean, an entire chapter, right? And he's making crystal clear what God's desire is. His desire for man is to have a relationship with them. His desire for man is for all of them to be in eternity with him. And Jesus is acknowledging that right here. And this isn't usually a passage we use to talk about that, but we're reading it, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about it here in the context of our study and it just becomes so clear what his desire is. And now the fulfillment of this plan, everything working perfectly, mm-hmm. is allowing this to happen. When Jesus goes to the cross, 
by his will goes to the cross and that blood is spilt there that because of that blood the relationship that we can have with god i mean it, it is the perfect plan and god's excited about that yeah. because yeah. it's his desire mm-hmm. we, you know we we talked this is going back a long time ago but i you and i talked on, on an episode one time about hell and about satan and I, I remember us making the point in that episode that hell was not created for man it was created for the devil and his angels. That's what hell was created for. Jesus came to earth. He just tells us here in chapter 17. He came to earth to bring eternal life to man. That's his purpose. Hell wasn't created for us. Now, if you want to go there, you're more than welcome to. Right. And, and that path will be provided to you if that's what you choose to do. But that's not what Jesus came to earth to do. No. He didn't come to earth to create hell and send us there. He came to earth to open the doors to eternal life. He came to earth to show us the path from this life to eternity in heaven. That's what he came to do. And, and that is exactly, I think, the, the distinction that we're intended to see. Hell is for Satan and for his angels. And why anybody would want to go there, I have no idea. But if that's your choice, then so be it. Jesus came to earth to, to lead you into eternal life so that you can know God and know him. And, and see the great plan that God had unfold in Jesus' life. That's the, the beauty of what he has done. So I think you're absolutely right. This isn't necessarily a passage that we look to to think about heaven and hell, but I do think it really stands out as we're talking about it in that way that Christ is very clear about what he came to do. And he came so that he could give eternal life in heaven forever. That's why he came, and that's what he wants from all of us. I think that's a really good point to make here in these first few verses. And that, you know, full circle, is to be celebrated. Yep. And that's what's happening right here in the first five verses. It is. We'll go ahead and stop there for today. Uh, Like I said, we've still got a couple episodes to go to cover the rest of chapter 17. So we'll, we'll cover the next section next week as Jesus continues on in his prayer to his Father. Uh, Hopefully you can join us for that as we begin to wrap up our study of uh, these chapters together, and we'll continue on next week together.